Welcome to the Gravity Technique podcast. My name is Kaz and I'm the creator of the Gravity Technique, which is a bridge between the face-meltingly boring science world and the practical application of how your body actually works. I've spent 20 years researching anatomy and movement, so you don't have to, and this podcast is where I deep dive into debunking, de-jargoning and myth-busting some of our most common ailments. So, if you're ready to feel empowered and take responsibility for your own health and well-being, let's get started. So welcome to this episode and I really wanted to get into um, cookie cutter approaches. So this is a bit of a hang up of mine because I was talking to a lady the other day who has had hip dysplasia and we were talking about hips and I talk about this a lot because wherever you go, whether that's the GP or whether it's to the osteopath or chiropractor, Um, or whether you visit my office, we've all got a skeleton and and bits of bodies. So spines and pelvises and all of that stuff. And it's really interesting to note that every skeleton that you see in all of these different places are all modelled on the original skeleton. So it's one person. And I think it's really important to note that because... In the cases, particularly with with hips, it's really important to note that your skeleton is as unique to you as your fingerprint. And it's really important that you know that because your skeleton doesn't look like the skeleton in the GP surgery. It doesn't look like the skeleton that you see when you go to your consultant to see your consultant because there are all these different subtle nuances that make up your skeleton. Genetics have got a lot to do with it um, and, you know, hereditary stuff and just the way that you are made up. So, for example, if we stay with hips, if you think about your hips and you've got your big hip bones and in your hip bones you've got your sockets and then At the top of your thigh bone, you've got the ball that goes in that socket. Now, that socket can be located anywhere on the side of your hip. So it might be up a little bit higher than someone else's. It might be further around the back than someone else's. It may be further forward than someone else's. So the angle of the ball at the top of the thigh bone will be designed to fit at the right angle to fit that socket. And that might not look like anybody else's. In fact, it won't, because as I say, our hip angles, our hip sockets and angles are completely unique to us. And then the bones that form the legs from there are unique to you. So this kind of this cookie cutter approach to movement and exercise doesn't really work because we need to be looking at every practitioner or every student, or every client, as the individual. And I ran into this in the early days of my yoga practice, because what I found was one of my yoga teachers is extraordinarily tall. Extraordinarily tall. You know, not just a little bit tall, but extraordinarily tall. And he's an amazing teacher, and I've learned so much from him. But when I was reading one of the old yoga books, it said you jump your feet three feet apart. Now, for me, 
what would I call myself? Vertically challenged <laughs> is probably, I'm not very vertically challenged. I know some people who are a lot shorter than I am. But the point is, what is three feet apart for me? What is three feet apart for my teacher who's very tall? And what is three feet apart for, say, my mum, who's a lot shorter than I am, is all gives us a very different experience of the same exercise. So having these metrics in all these set metrics in place that can possibly force your joints into an arrangement that isn't useful has to be something that we look at. So particularly, as I say, I'm from a yoga background. So trying to keep your ankle and knee and hip in line and getting your foot at a 45 degree angle if you're in something like, say, Warrior 2. If your socket in your hip is called an acetabulum, which is why I keep pausing because I'm trying to say femoral heads into acetabulums. Um, and it's not, it's sockets and, you know, balls at the top of your thigh, thigh bone. But if your socket is located towards the front of your hip and it's up a little bit higher, then to get your foot into a right angle in warrior two is going to be severely detrimental to your hip. You're now forcing the bones into each other. So somebody like van der Scaravelli would say you don't sacrifice your body for the glory of the pose. I'm inclined to agree with that because if we're trying to make a shape that we've seen, and this is the same for all modalities, I'm not just picking on yoga, um, it's the same for any modality, the technique that we use, the form that we use, whether that's you know high intensity training, whether that's deadlifting, whether that's Pilates, whatever it is, the form and the technique that we use has to match our own makeup and that can only be achieved by felt sense feeling the arrangement of the joints so if I'm going to deadlift something I need to know how my arm bone connects with my socket how that feels in the rotation have I got scar tissue sitting in there so when you get to my age you know you don't walk away with anything less than a few car accidents or surgeries or injuries. So for most of us, we've got some scar tissue sitting in the muscles around the major joints of the body. Equally, we can get into the subject of extra vertebrae. You don't know that you've got an extra vertebrae unless you've had a scan and it's shown that. But then equally, you know, if we've had a scan and it's shown that we've got an extra vertebrae, what do we do about that? Well, we have to tailor our movement pattern to accommodate the fact that we've got more vertebrae. But equally, we've only got more vertebrae because we're measuring it against a certain standard. So maybe everybody is allowed to have as many vertebrae as they want, or as many vertebrae as they need to keep them mobile and moving. So we have to tailor our movement patterns to match our own unique skeleton. So with that in mind, with the hips, and what I was chatting through with this lovely lady with the, the hip dysplasia, we call it hip dysplasia because the hips aren't looking the way that we would expect them to. And that's based on a metric. 
But can we just simply work with, rather than just having our hips replaced, can we work with the uh, hip range that we've got, the angle or angles that we've got to work with once we've figured those out and what feels good? Can we then tailor our movement? And this is, you know, in the case of hips, in case of all the major joints, this is how we walk and sit and stand and lay down and all of these things. So I'm more interested in day-to-day movement initially. And of course, that's what the gravity technique does. It gets into your day-to-day activities and sees what's going on there. And we get to the root cause of what's causing the pain. So rather than just, you know, cutting it open, and replacing the joint, can we find out what's really going on in there? And actually, can we shift? In the case of hips, it's going to be the walking gait. Can we shift the walking gait slightly to allow the hip to move to its optimum range, not the range where we think it should be? It's a fascinating subject that gives us deep food for thought because we can apply this to any part of the body. When we talk about um, the gravity line and posture, when we analyse our posture and we think about how we want to be standing we want to be standing in a way that is useful and beneficial for our bodies and yet I've often I find my clients asking me what do you know am I doing it right is this what I should be doing and a lot of the time I see them pushing and pulling their bodies into something or into a shape that they've seen that they think is what they should be mirroring it's fascinating stuff because actually our body is a highly intelligent self-healing organism and given the possibility or given the opportunity for it to find its own way then it will do that and it's not detrimental we don't get joints that wear out we don't get stuff that starts to rub together and causes pain it keeps us on this in this place of a natural pain-free state It also gives us the opportunity to identify muscles that are not doing the job that they should be. And that's not just weak muscles. You know, I once got told by by a lady that um, she definitely didn't have a psoas. For those of us that aren't anatomy trained, that's an internal core muscle, one of our fundamental internal core muscles. And she didn't think she had one. And you have all of them. Some of them are grossly overworking which then allows for other muscles to underwork. So with this approach, we can't get muscles that are overworking to switch off. Why? Because there are no supporting structures to take over if we relax those other muscles. So when we look at something like tight hip flexors, tight quads and tight hamstrings, when we go in and we want to release those, But if they're like Atlas holding up the world because the central core structures aren't providing that appropriate and adequate lift out of the waist, they're not going to relax and release because if we relax and release the quads and the hamstrings, we're going to fall on our face. So it's looking at it a bit like anatomy physics, if you like. If something is doing a job, And if it didn't do that job, it would compromise our ability to stand or be mobile. 
Prime Directive 101 in the back of your brain is stay upright because we don't want to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger, so it's all pretty primal stuff. But with that in mind, if they are holding us up and they the brain looks down and it can't see what else can hold us up if they disengage, then those muscles will not relax and release. Or they may do, they, we may get some light relief. So if we go to a therapist... Um, or we go to yoga, or we go and do something that stretches those muscles out, or helps us to feel like we're getting some relief there, the chances are you'll wake up the next morning and it's all come back as it was, or a couple of days later it's all back as it was. And we don't affect real and lasting change. So again, we come back to the hips. Notice how you stand through your feet, and where your body weight falls. So in gravity techniques, this is called a lovely teeth cleaning pose. It's something that you can do every day when you go to clean your teeth. How are your feet looking? Do they look out to the, do the toes look out to the sides? Or are the toes looking in towards each other? You'll be pigeon-toed. So have a look at your feet and notice what's happening there. Muscles of the legs pull the feet around. The muscles of the legs at the top of the hip, top of the leg and the hip, pull the feet into different arrangements so if your feet are going out to to, the, to both sides and we're going sort of Charlie Chaplin-esque all the toes are coming in and we're going pigeon-toed then something is out of whack at the top of the legs so we simply start with a very easy approach to realigning feet and then just staying with the sensations noticing how that feels so if I've got my big toe and the inside of my heel in line. We'll call the feet maybe parallel. And just noticing then, where does the body weight fall? Does it fall into the heel more? Is it going into the toes? And can I relax down through the centre of the foot? Are the knees locking in? Can we unlock the knees and keep the knees soft? Can we draw the tummy back towards the spine and lift through the ribs and engage the pelvic floor? all this and you haven't even got to clean your teeth yet. But just starting with that weight distribution down through the feet, where is it and can we find even weight distribution throughout the whole landscape of the foot? So that's between heels and toes and between the long little toe side and the big toe side. Can we find even weight through there? So have a play with that. It's a practice, not perfect. You can't get it wrong. And if you've got any questions, pop me a message through at gravitytechnique.com. And thank you so much for listening today. And if you could leave us a like and a share and a comment, that would be great. So we don't completely disappear into the podcast ether. That would be wonderful. And thank you so, so much for joining me again today. It really is a joy to share these things with you. And it's great always to have your questions Um, I love answering your questions on different things. So pop me a message, ask your questions, and I'm always happy to create an episode for you. So that's it for this week. Um, Enjoy, and I will see you on the next episode.